It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. From the Fox News Radio studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. It's the Tuesday edition. We have a big hour coming your way. We have so much to discuss. It was one of those days where I probably have five headline stories. Alan West in about 10 minutes, then Senator Roger Marshall uh, shortly. Oh, by the way, today's the day Anthony Fauci goes back to Capitol Hill. A day in which the New York Times even pull, points out what I've been saying from day one, and maybe you have too. We are way too cautious. The CTC is way too cautious, contradictory, and it's destroying the lifestyle that we live unnecessarily. We know what happened in the beginning. We don't know why we're still so limited right now. We don't know why we have to wait to lift any type of indoor mask wearing. We don't know why it took so long to admit that vaccinated people shouldn't be wearing masks outside. Uh, we don't know why we have to adjust if we're vaccinated, if there's a almost 0% chance we'll carry the virus or get the virus. Why is anything limited in my life? I've been vaccinated. Maybe you have. Maybe you choose not to. But you're smart enough to adjust. If you're not vaccinated, you don't want to put yourself in risky situation. Turn down the Yankee and Dodger game today. They're not playing each other. I'm just I'm imagining you listening to me on both coasts. Uh, the phone number to call, one 866 uh, it is kind of amazing that I watch MSNBC and they're all upset about their lifestyle being infringed and maybe they're being overly cautious. Maybe you got the president of the United States wearing two masks walking alone. You got the president of the United States walking around having a Zoom meeting with world leaders wearing a double mask. You're not embarrassed by that. Big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 97% of schools are open. That's a very high number. It's 67% that are back in full time. We believe that the conditions have changed now so that everybody can be back in full time. When? That is Randy Weingarten all over the place with the great Martha McCallum uh, fighting for control of the curriculum. Teachers Union president tries to explain why 2021 history is about 1619 and why kids are not all in school. I'm not buying it. Are you? Number two. I'm going to be meeting with President Putin. And uh, so far, there is no evidence based on from our intelligence people that Russia is involved. Although there is evidence that the actors ransomware is in Russia. Nope. They have some responsibility to deal with this. No kidding. Russian, Russian renegade organization shuts down a massive American pipeline. We all could be feeling this cyber hack like South Carolina and North Carolina right now. President Biden's meek, weak response should have all concerned as more and more of our enemies, led by Iran and their fast boats yesterday, see America as an easy mark. Number one. The gain-of-function research had, in fact, been banned explicitly by the U.S. government. There was a federal moratorium on the funding of exactly the kind of gain-of-function experiments that went on in the Wuhan lab. So why didn't the U.S. government halt its funding of the lab in Wuhan? Who signed off on this? Tony Fauci. Yeah, Dr. Anthony Fauci, who walks on water for everybody, not me, and I don't think you. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West on that shortly. 
meanwhile, uh, we are not making, taking, asking more questions. We are asking more questions about the origins of the COVID-19 virus, the Wuhan lab and how Anthony Fauci played a role in all of it, how we can stop the next pandemic. It's so vital we find out how this one started and untangle why there's such a deep deception. And here's one of the things that bothers me most. And I saw today this, uh, this story in Bloomberg. They do an editorial, and this Bloomberg editorialist said, why does it matter where the virus came from? Why does it matter where the virus came from? How do you figure out how to stop it if you don't know where it came from? Why do you think that's political? Why is everything political? The reason why we want to know where it came from is because we want to stop the next one. Uh, Got to get this guy's name. He is um, a columnist for Bloomberg. And this guy, his name is Noah Smith. He took his uh, complaints to Twitter on Sunday and appeared underwhelmed by Congress's recent push to get to the bottom of the origins of the virus. Question. This is what he put in his tweet. How much does anyone really care about the lab leak theory? I do. You don't? Do you know anyone that doesn't? We've all been screwed by this virus. If we find out the virus did escape with a lab, so what? Quote. Could be a result of unsafe research practices or poor safety procedures. So be it. Safer when doing so, be safer when doing research. What an idiot. As the Washington Examiner reporter uh, Jerry Dunleavy says, um, uh, the CCP lied about the COVID-19 and engaged in a cover-up worsening the pandemic. And the question of its COVID originated not just in China generally, but specifically in the Wuhan lab, conducting research and working with uh, the PLA, the People's Liberation Army of China, is highly relevant, including for stopping future pandemics. That, to me, is a no-brainer. But that is what we're hopefully going to get to today. I don't want to see Anthony Fauci on any show unless he's asked... Why the NIH, which you were in charge of, financed the Wuhan lab? Why have you not been more curious to find out how this started? Why are you not outraged this came to our shores and we were told there was no instant asymptomatic spread? Why is this not a bigger deal that the President Trump was told by President Xi, don't worry about it, it doesn't spread from human to human contact? Here's Congressman Mike Gallagher. He was on with Tucker last night. He will question Anthony Fauci at some point. Cut three. If you'll remember a year ago when those of us were suggesting that the lab leak hypothesis just needed to be investigated. We weren't saying that it was the correct hypothesis. We were called bigots. We were called tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. And the problem and the mainstream media did everything possible to spread CCP propaganda and shut the voices of those who merely wanted that hypothesis investigated because a global pandemic completely overturned and destroyed our lives and forever changed our country. Yeah. So what, you don't think we should find out how it started? Why are people more curious about this? Here's Tucker's monologue last night because uh, today... Uh, on the Tuesday edition of the show, depending on we, we air the show out of order sometimes, uh, in, depending on the markets you're in. But Josh Rogan's got to be on, who spent the last uh, f- about four years working on China, the relationship with the U.S., not even knowing this pandemic would start. Here's Tucker Cut One. The gain-of-function research had, in fact, been banned explicitly by the U.S. government. There was a federal moratorium on the funding of exactly the kind of of gain-of-function experiments that went on in the Wuhan lab to disastrous effect. So why didn't the U.S. government halt its funding 
of the lab in Wuhan? That is a central question. And Nicholas Wade, to his great credit, looked into it. And here's what he found. Quote, someone wrote a loophole into the moratorium. The moratorium specifically barred funding of any gain-of-function research that increased the pathogenicity of the flu, MERS, or SARS viruses. But then a footnote on page two of the moratorium document states that, quote, an exception from the research pause may be obtained if the head of the U.S. government funding agency determines that the research is urgently necessary to protect the public health or national security. And that's exactly the loophole that was exploited. Who signed off on this? Tony Fauci, possibly along with Francis Collins, the director of the NIH, invoked that special exemption in order to keep funding the Wuhan lab and the deadly experiments that were going on there. The experiments that clearly went so wrong. According to Richard Ebright, quote, unfortunately, the NIAID director, that'd be Fauci, and the NIH director exploited this loophole to issue exemptions to projects subject to pause, preposterously asserting that the exempted research was, quote, urgently necessary to protect public health or national security and thereby nullifying the pause. This wouldn't have happened if Tony Fauci didn't allow it to happen. At the very least, he should be leading the investigation into finding out what happened in that lab? Instead, he never brings it up and he's never questioned. That'll change. I know, I know Senator Rand Paul will not let anybody down. Uh, he has been all over him on lifestyle things, let alone what's happening uh, where, where this whole thing started and it happened with China. We should not be wearing masks. We've been vaccinated. If you've had it, that should be factored in. They should make it easier to get the antibody test. And that would make, well, all of a sudden we realize we're probably at herd immunity right now. Stop condemning people, the states like Texas, and stop start lauding them. Start wondering why your state is so behind and why things like on May 19th, we're going to open up New York. Why May 19th? Why not today? There is no reason. Let's have a curfew at 11 o'clock. Why? Because it could have been 10. Really? So you're threatening us? You want the mask off? Well, we'll get that privilege back shortly. It's a privilege not to wear a mask? Please. More from Tucker Cuttail. Alina Chan, a molecular biologist at the Broad Institute at Harvard and MIT. She bravely wrote a paper about how the coronavirus's genome hadn't changed much over time, and that was odd because that genome had gone through trillions of replications. According to Chan, that fact implied that the virus was designed for human-to-human -human transmission from the outset. Why are people not curious about this? one 7669 I uh, saved the next talking point for Alan West. Uh, you got this Russia renegade group taking down energy pipelines that go through up and down the uh, East Coast, affect 19 states. And I also want to talk about uh, what Iran is doing in the Persian Gulf and what we did yesterday. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show, one 408 7669 Don't move. Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch. As many of you know from your own life experiences, a life in so-called blue collar work is something to be proud of. It is very rewarding to work that has impact on your friends, your neighbors, and your family's lives. Great successes can be had in the blue-collar career. There's no degree requirement for achieving comfort, peace, and freedom. 
While schools cut shop classes and funnel students into colleges, there are plenty of options for hard workers who are ready to take advantage of open positions. Many young people today assume that college is the only way to achieve success in life. That is not true. Let me introduce you to Ken Rusk. Ken spent his younger years digging ditches and working in construction. He never went to college. Instead, he made goals, planned, and worked hard for 30 years. Now Ken is a successful entrepreneur with multiple businesses and revenue streams. In his national best-selling book, Blue Collar Cash, Ken shares his insights from over 30 years of working in blue-collar trades as an entrepreneur, mentor, and life coach. Now he's created a guide made specifically for you and your unique situation. This guide will give you or someone you love the tools you need to start designing the life of their dreams. You can achieve your dreams regardless of your educational background or your past. Go to KenRusk.com path to learn more. That's KenRusk.com path. A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Mr. President, if you can't protect critical infrastructure from a criminal actor, how can you possibly protect it from a state actor? You can do both. You, you will. Do you think Russia is involved at all implicitly with that attack? I'm going to be meeting with President Putin, and uh, so far, there is no evidence based on from our intelligence people that Russia is involved, although there is evidence that the actor's ransomware is in Russia. They have some responsibility to deal with this. Look, if it was an American company kidding Russia infrastructure, you would honestly say these companies are acting on their own. they got to be reined in. It would be unprecedented. It would be embarrassing to every single member of this country, even if we were attacking one of our enemies. If they were going against international doctrine, against uh, for our own foreign policy. There's no way Vladimir Putin didn't know about this. Lieutenant Colonel Alan West joins us, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, senior fellow at the Media Research Center. Colonel, there's, is, what do you think the, uh, the complicity is uh, with Moscow and this renegade group? Well, there's complete complicity, and I think we all know that. It's good to be with you, Brian, because nothing of, of this measure is going to happen emanating out of Russia without Vladimir Putin or, or some of his oligarch uh, brethren knowing about this. And so, without a doubt, the fingers point back to Vladimir Putin. Here is, uh, here is what uh, Rick Perry said, the former governor of Texas, because his colonial pipeline and this hack – we are still feeling it, just beginning to feel it. Right now in North Carolina, South Carolina, huge lines for gas, cut 12. Well, you got 45% of the gasoline that's going to uh, the eastern part of the United States going through that pipeline. So it's, uh, you know, this is a national security issue. But A national security issue. So mm-hmm. what do you think, Colonel, the federal government's role should be? in creating a cyber protection field for industries, private industries that affect the national security of our country. How do we work this out? Well, you're absolutely right. Energy security is related to your national security, and I think that without a doubt we have the United States Cyber Command, and they should be working with our private uh, industries, especially our oil and gas industries, anything that has to do with our national security footprint. And, uh, again, energy is part of that to make sure that they are protected. We've got to go on offense and stop playing defense because right now we're sitting back and we're catching all the arrows coming from Russia, from China, and even Iran when it comes to uh, cyber cyber hacking and cyber attacks. So this is the new dimension of the battlefield out there now, cyber. And so it would be no different if you want to put it in in a military uh, mindset. It would be no different if someone dropped a bomb and destroyed 
these uh, these oil and natural gas uh, systems that are now causing the issue for these resources not to be able to get to Americans, and it's causing harm and endangering an effect upon the American citizens. Uh, so the other big question is, as I pivot over to Afghanistan, China, I have to agree with them. 68 girls died in a bombing. China came out and said, if we weren't leaving Afghanistan, that wouldn't have happened. As evil as China is, they're actually right. The way we're leaving has everything to do with what is left. And right away, they're targeting exactly my major, one of my major worries. The girls that wanted to go to school just to read and write and have a future are being targeted by the group that is, seems inevitably set to take back the country, and that's the Taliban. No, you're absolutely right. And, and uh, people have always asked me, you know, what is the thing I remember from my military career deployments? I remember watching little girls go to school in Afghanistan, and that was the thing that I'm just just so proud of. And we remember Malala Yousafzai, who was uh, shot in the head by a Taliban uh, fighter who because she just wanted to go to school and get an education, and she was speaking up about this. And so this is what you have to remember is that if you're going to completely withdraw, just the same as you did in the Obama administration out of Iraq, someone is going to fill that void. And we already see who is going to fill that void. You cannot compromise, appease, negotiate, or acquiesce with Islamic jihadists. They're not going to change their way. So if anything, you leave a residual force that can keep them at bay. You can conduct strike operations, not not an army of occupation, you know, size or strength, but just to be able to keep them from doing exactly what we see them doing, which is attacking girls' schools. I mean, think about the women and the girls right now, what they are thinking. Cowards. Uh, yeah. Uh, I got to bring it to something else that's happening. Iran is starting it again with their fast boats harassing our mm-hmm. boats. Here's what Admiral Kirby said at the Pentagon yesterday. Cut 20. So what I can tell you, Barb, uh, is that earlier today, uh, a a large group of Iranian Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Navy, uh, also known as the IRGCN, uh, fast boats, conducted unsafe and unprofessional maneuvers and failed to exercise due regard for the safety of U.S. forces as required under international law while operating in close proximity to U.S. naval vessels that were transiting the Strait of Hormuz. So we end up shooting at them, over them, to uh, warning shots. Why is this happening again? We're in talks with them. We want to be friendly with them. Don't they see that outstretched hand in Vienna? <laughs> well, you know, you have to understand in the Middle East, Brian, is, again, that compromise, acquiescing, talking, weakness. negotiating, that's seen as a symbol of weakness, and weakness is very enticing in the Middle East. You go back to the Obama-Biden administration. Remember the riverine assault craft that we had those crews that were captured by the Iranians, and they made it into a very embarrassing episode. So they're, they're right back to the same old antics. Amarula Saleh, who Lara Logan tells me is as brilliant as anyone she's ever talked to, over with the, uh, with the Afghanistan government that we support, said this about what's happening on the ground. Here's a reality check. Cut 19. Taliban are terrorists. Simple. Do you trust the Taliban? No. At all? No. The whole idea of coming to Afghanistan was to teach a lesson to terrorists, their allies, don't do it again. Have we taught them that lesson? No. Taliban operate shoulder to shoulder with al-Qaeda today. So that's the former vice president. Your thoughts, Colonel, 20 seconds? 
Well, he's absolutely right. I mean, you cannot make deals with Islamic jihadists. You think about the uh, leaders of the Taliban that President Obama released from Guantanamo Bay. They're over there right back doing the exact same thing after they held up in Qatar for a period of time. You've got to have strike operations. Taliban, al-Qaeda, ISIS, Haqqani Network, they're all going to come right back together. And you saw those 60-some-odd young girls who lost their lives, sadly. And, Colonel, people understand this is our national security. They, they're, we're not children. We've been through it for 20 years now. We all went to terror school. Uh, so by leaving it, we're going against everything we learned. But we're doing it anyway. Colonel Allen West, thanks so much. My pleasure, Brian. You got it. Coming up next, Senator uh, and Dr. Roger Marshall, Kansas. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade. There may have been U.S. taxpayer funding that went to gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and the evidence continues to stack up in favor of the lab leak hypothesis. Even China's version of the CDC dismissed the wet market hypothesis. So why won't the mainstream media ask basic questions of Dr. Fauci, given that they have him on every single Sunday show every week? Instead, he gets asked questions about seasonal mask wearing. They're asking him every question except for the questions that matter. We need to get to the bottom of this. If for no other reason, as you suggested, we can't allow this to happen again. And more to the point, there are those proposing that we are going to increase funding from over 200 million to 1.2 billion for gain of function research. That would be insane if indeed the lab leak hypothesis is correct, as I think the evidence suggesting it might be. That is Wisconsin Congressman Mike Gallagher last night with Tucker talking about how Anthony Fauci gets a walk in the park, never turns down an interview, whether it's the Seth Curry podcast or Rachel Maddow's late night show or uh, Stephen Colbert. He's talking, winging it, kind of surfing, playing some um, medical jazz, coming up with scenarios about herd immunity without even taking into uh, account, natural immunity, but never gets asked the tough questions. Like, why did you finance this Wuhan lab? Uh, joining us now is Senator Dr. Roger Marshall. I have a chance to question Anthony Fauci today. Senator, would this be along the line of questioning the origin of the virus you're interested in as a doctor? You know, absolutely, Brian. Um, I was the first member to speak on the House floor over 15 months ago, and we know very little bit more about the virus today than we do then. But we, what we do know is all, all fingers are pointing towards Wuhan. And whether this is a naturally occurring virus or whether this virus was manipulated in a lab, we need to know if it was leaked from the lab. Um, and then we can figure out as well, was it, man, was it uh, manipulated or, or was it something that just spontaneously occurred? We drug it from the bat cave a thousand miles to this lab and, or to the area or not. So lots of fingers pointing towards there. And you've got more questions that I'm going to have answers. But these are freshman journalism questions and that, that Dr. Fauci has not answered yet. And I'm just I'm just dumbfounded why why the press won't ask him the, the tough questions. Well, they're not even tough. I, I know. <laughs> I mean, they're not tough. They just say they basically worshiping. Are we allowed to wear a mask indoor? Do we have to wear a mask three mask indoors after we're vaccinated with people that are vaccinated? Yes. At this point, we do. Instead of 
Why did you allow funds to go to the Wuhan lab? Were you aware of the gain-of-function research that was happening, the amount of danger that was taking place, how you were warned in 2018 not to be involved? Why was a loophole written in to allow you to be involved? How do you think the American people would feel knowing that some of their tax dollars went to a Chinese lab that might have poisoned the world? At the very least, make him answer. Yeah, you're on the right track, Brian, and I just think your listeners need to understand what gain-of-function is. This is uh, theoretically more powerful than a nuclear weapon. Theoretically, you know, could millions of people could, could die from a virus that we invented um, that we don't have an antidote for. So w- whether or not this is involved with the COVID-19 virus, we don't know. But regardless, this is a discussion we have to have. It reminds me of really of growing up and we were trying to figure out nuclear power and, you know, nuclear, we, nuclear fission, we could either make electricity or make bombs out of it. But it's that type of a risk-reward situation. Maybe it helps us make vaccines in the future, but also it could be a catastrophe catastrophic epidemic as well. But we don't know yet the extent of the gain of function uh, with this with this virus. We don't want to get out over our skis, but it's certainly a possibility. I just wonder where the anger is. You know, I wonder, too, we just it just became out that China's putting three hundred and fifty million dollars into anti-American propaganda in our country. And I'm wondering if that is behind, you know, nobody is for these uh, this Asian hate. Nobody. And they passed legislation to stop it. Oh. But guess what? If you don't want us to talk about China, why don't you dramatically increase or or amplify Asian hate in America? And next thing you know, when people bring up China, they go, what are you, are you trying to make Asians target of violence? So I'm wondering, with the money they're pouring in, are they getting what they want? We're not talking about them. This is not our fault. It's not Donald Trump or Joe Biden. It's, here's what Robert Redfield, the former CCC director, just said about a couple of weeks ago. Cut seven. I am of the point of view that uh, etiology of this pathogen in Wuhan was a, from a laboratory, um, you know, escaped. Uh, the other people don't believe that. That's fine. Science will eventually figure it out. It's not unusual for respiratory pathogens that are being worked on in a laboratory to infect a laboratory worker. I mean, that's Robert Redfield, the CDC director, widely respected. I don't care what you're talking about. He's now free of government influence. And that is, at the very least, if you take that quote to Anthony Fauci, what is he going to say? Well, he's going to dodge the question right. But I I think we have to point out a few more facts here that, uh, look, go back to SARS-1, 2002. It took us four months to identify a host species and an intermediate species. And that's the way this coronavirus works. Typically, you know, it comes from a bat. The bat infects, in that case, a servant. It uh, kind of looks like a raccoon, and then it was spread to humans. You, you fast forward to MERS um, in 2012. It took us nine months to find out that the camel was the intermediate host and spread to humans. So we're 15 months into this. The Chinese have tested 80 thousand different animals with uh, do, doing genetic sequencing, and they can't find this virus, any intermediate host. We can't find any progeny of the virus. We can't think, find any of its grandfathers, its great-grandfathers. With the SARS, we found at least 24 grandfathers to the, SARS, to the SARS virus, excuse me, to the SARS virus. So there's just lots of science pointing toward, hey, we don't think that this comes from nature. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know that, but we need transparency. To your, to your earlier point about the Chinese propaganda, look, transparency sunlight would solve most all of this. 
if they would just open up their lab, open up people to questioning, get rid of the gag orders, they could prove us wrong, right? Yep. They, they could prove that we are wrong, but instead, I'm afraid they destroyed all the evidence, and we're going to never know. But they need to be held accountable. We need our allies to stand up. Uh, World Health Organization meeting here in two weeks. We need uh, We need our allies to stand up and say, wait a second. Of course, America needs to stand up, too. But we need the rest of the nation to gird their loins and stand up and say, what the heck happened here? Three million people dead. Where did this virus come from? Was it leaked or not? All right. I want to bring you to another big area, and that is with there's so much money in our system. All the goods, it's theorized, from lumber to copper to food have gone up. If you look at the gas lines, aside from this hack we're experiencing right now, the gas is going up. So commodities are all rising. We only added 266,000 jobs. And to get people back to work, they've got to stop paying them less money because they're getting more to not work than to work. And they're not dumb. So in Arizona, starting in June, Arkansas, starting in June, Montana in weeks, and um, South Carolina already, they're saying, keep your supplemental, Joe Biden. We don't want it. More about to line up to do it. Where does Senator uh, Roger Marshall stand of Kansas? Oh, we, we need to, to tweak back and stop the federal supplement. You know, Christy Nome was the first one, Governor Nome, to stop it. And she saw her unemployment in South Dakota drop from 3% to 1.5%. This is the number one issue I hear from people back home. We talked to several thousand people in the past 10 days. Number one concern is a lack of people for the jobs. The, the reason for this is that in Kansas, we're paying them about $21 an hour to stay at home. Um, I, I mean, just, just people after uh, folks. Some of my best friends own a, 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 a business that takes care of folks with disabilities, and they take the kids, kids and young adults uh, out into the, the city, and, and they do work, but they, they're missing 70 employees. Out of 200, they, they've got 70 openings. So that's just the constant theme. Uh, and, and, again, this is on the back of, of Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, this extra $300 a week. And, and, and I should back up and say there are some people that still need help. I get that, but it needs to be targeted help. And we can't pay people more to stay at home than go back to work. And just to listen to what the, what the president's talking about here, oh, it's, it's because the kids aren't back in school or child care issues. Well, why aren't the kids back in school? That's on his shoulders, too. He and Fauci are so ambiguous about the safety of getting kids back in school. The teachers union are manipulating them as well. So I'm tired of that excuse. You know, the child care has always been a challenge, and, and we've got some solutions for that. But we've got to uh, you know, turn off the faucet on the federal subsidy. Turn off the faucet would be right. I'm just watching a police chase right now. Uh... Uh, going on in California, just a little distracted. Uh, they're going to have trouble getting their deposit back from that U-Haul. It looks like they're, uh, it's on fire. Um, so uh, here's what it's Joe a, Biden it's said. Not a white Ford Bron- it's not a white Ford Bronco. No, it, I hope. thankfully not, but it's trailing a trailer. Uh, this is, but you okay. can't, of course, these cops today can't just get in front and just bring this to a heel. Here's what Joe Biden says. He vehemently disagrees. Cut 30. I know there's been a lot of discussion since Friday, since Friday's report, that people are being paid to stay home rather than go to work. Well, we don't see much evidence of that. For many of those folks, unemployment benefits are a lifeline. No one should be allowed to game the system. 
and we'll insist the law is followed, but let's not take our eye off the ball. You're not gaming the system. What you're doing is you're getting paid unemployment plus 300. Here's what John Taffer said, because he's actually trying to stand up these businesses in Las Vegas. Cut 31. No, I completely disagree with the president, Brian. Think about this for a moment. The average household has about two and a half people in it. If both of them are unemployed, getting enhanced benefits at $800 a piece, that's $1,600 a week enhanced unemployment benefits. That's $83,000 a year. But the median income in America is only $65,000 a year. Wouldn't you stay home? So that's just practical. That's using the numbers and getting away from the rhetoric. So you do you look for Kansas to follow in the way of South Dakota, South Carolina? Oh, heck no. We've got a Democrat governor and she wants to continue the socialistic movement, right? Uh, so, so that's that's the you know elections have consequences. We've got to change that in two years. But we are leading legislation to stop it. And if I could just make one more point, that may be one of the most ridiculous things I've heard President Biden speak. And I'm sure that it was that was fed to him by his staff. If he would go out and do a, do one town hall. I'll get 100 business people to stand in front of him and, and ask him that question, and I hope he doesn't get booed off the stage. That would be a loud boo. Uh, it, again, we're out there doing the town halls. We're meeting the people. You know, Senator Bob Dole told me the first time I, I sat down with him at a serious discussion about a serious issue, and he said, Roger, go back to Kansas, and the people will tell you the problem and the solutions. And just would encourage President Biden uh, to take off his mask. He's been vaccinated. To get out and lead. Show America that it's safe, that once you've had the vaccination, it's safe uh, to get out there and meet people again and and listen to the people. And, and they'll tell you, and they'll correct his staff. And Because I know that he doesn't know one way or the other. He's got to get out and listen to the people himself. Please, Mr. President, go out and listen to the people. Well, yeah, he listens to the people, the squad, and his chief of staff. Those are the two people. Even the New York Times is writing that the CDC is being way too cautious with all their advice and advisories when it's mask wearing, outdoor mask wearing, indoor mask wearing. We got senators, uh, we had Scott Gottlieb on CBS of all places saying, you know, it's time to try and experiment, take the mask off in San Francisco. The numbers are so ridiculously low. We'll be able to quantify immediately and find out what's wrong. Come on. This is ridiculous. Why people don't stand up. Also, for people out there legitimately worried, do you realize the president's sending the exact wrong message? Don't listen to what my experts say. I know the truth and I'm wearing two masks outside. I mean, he is sending a terrible message while going out of his way to rip the Trump administration totally unnecessarily. Final thought? Yeah. You know, final thought is Dr. Fauci would have us wear uh, belt suspenders and diapers. Uh, Americans are Americans are done. I'm telling you what, we're done with the math. No kidding. Set us free. Set my people free. Uh, it's a miracle we've got this vaccine out here. Uh, we're on our way to victory if the, if we could just get the federal government out of our way. All right. Well, we're going to look forward to your questions to Dr. Fauci today. The origin of the virus would be great. Senator Dr. Roger Marshall, thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Have a great day, Brian. Thank you. You got it. Listen, I'll open up the phones now. one 408 This is The Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back. With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. We're going to provide real help for people struggling with the challenge of childcare, which is making it hard for many parents 
who need to work, especially women, to get back to work. Okay. Why is it that a lot of these women have to stay home and can't work? A lot of them are working class, sadly, in inner city environments are the last to go back to school and the last to be able to afford private school that are that is open, maybe down the block. So they have to stay home and watch their kids watch a laptop, possibly with bad Wi-Fi. That has a lot to do with it. And you have a lot more credibility, Mr. President, if you would say I'm 78 years old. Yeah, I got a lot of money from the teachers unions, but I care about these kids more. And they got to get back to work. And if there are teachers compromised, they can stay home. And if they're not compromised, they got to get back to work. Just like the cops got to get back to work. Just like you and I got to get back to work. Just like, for example, you have uh, supermarket workers got to get back to work. You think they loved it? You think they were not at risk? They were back to they were back at work without any option for a vaccine. Now you have that option. Scott, WRCN, Long Island. Hey, Scott. Yeah, I was just uh, thinking that maybe the reason this administration is being so cautious with the uh, coronavirus is because the last administration was so reckless and over half a million people died. Maybe you think reckless with a vaccine? No, no, no. Reckless before the vaccine when Trump was saying that the science is wrong and that it'll go away in the warm weather and everything else that he was saying that was wrong. Yeah, he he did eventually get the, the vaccine out, but... You know, he said a lot of stuff before that that was wrong. And a lot so, of so, so let me ask some, Scott. Do you think that Joe Biden takes advice from Donald Trump? No. So if the CDC says there's less point zero, this is the New York Times today. Outdoor mask, outdoor, without a mask, without a vaccine, the chance of a transfer outdoor, point zero point one percent. That's how much has happened. That was a study done by St. Andrews over in Scotland and backed up and written up in the Atlantic. If you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask. He's wearing a mask. If you are vaccinated indoors, you don't need to wear a mask. Wear a mask. Why is he wearing a mask? Don't tell me it's because Donald Trump acted in a way he doesn't like. Eric, W-O-K-V over in Jacksonville. Eric. Hey, Brian. Once again, you're right on the spot. Uh you're my age. A lot of the younger people listening don't remember back when we were early high school, 100, 100 uh, hostages held for over a year in Iran. Yep. And then people, some people pushing their cars to the gas line. And you had to have an odd or even license plate yep. to get gas that day. Well, I think Jimmy Carter 2.0 is in full bloom right now. I mean, everything, like Al Gore said, everything that's down is up and everything that should be up is down. This is ridiculous. They... I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist, but I wonder if there really was a cyber attack and this is just to make everybody get away from gas. Like they're paying everybody to stay home. They're giving them a taste of socialism. However, when we go socialism, you're not staying home for that money. You're going to be digging in the street, guys, with a shovel. So, uh, well, absolutely. But, you're, yeah, you're, but here, here's, uh, here, here's what John Kirby said uh, that they did with Iran yesterday who continued to harass our warships. Cut 22. While exercising the right of transit passage in accordance with customary international law in that strait, six U.S. Navy vessels escorting the guided missile submarine USS Georgia encountered a group of 13 of these fast attack boats. This group of uh, fast attack boats uh, boats, uh, approached the U.S. formation at high speed, closing in as uh, close as 150 yards. And as Admiral, uh, he would go on to say we shot uh, missiles over the head, warning shots. We should have blown them out of the water. 
Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. Live from the Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show, coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Josh Rogan of the Washington Post, uh, also his book is a bestseller now. Uh, He's going to be with us this hour. He is going to be talking about China at a level and this virus at a level that we didn't think existed. The detail in which he has uh, was extraordinary the first time. Now we have additional information because Anthony Fauci, among other health officials, is going to be testifying on Capitol Hill today in front of the Senate, um, uh, in front of a Senate investigative committee. And keep in mind, too, we're going to take some of that information, some of those direct questions to Anthony Fauci and bring them in. But I wanted Josh Rogan to react because he was one of the first to come forward and say, what's going with China? Why aren't more people in in the press interested in how this virus started? He started writing this book, had no idea a pandemic would end this book, but that's certainly what we're in the middle of. Uh, America's Newsroom will do a simulcast with us. You'll get to see me interact with Dana Perino and my arch rival, Bill Hammer, all coming up in about 10, 15 minutes. You can do a simulcast on Fox News, and you can always watch us on Fox Nation. So let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 97% of schools are open. That's a very high number. It's 67% that are back in full time. We believe that the conditions have changed now so that everybody can be back in full time. Really? Thank you, Randy Gardner, Wine Gardner. How about a year ago? Fighting for control of the curriculum, teachers union president tries to explain why 2021 history is about 1619 and why kids are not all in school. I'm not buying any of it. You'll hear. Number two. I'm going to be meeting with President Putin. And uh, so far, there is no evidence based on from our intelligence people that Russia is involved. Although there is evidence that the actors ransomware is in Russia. They have some responsibility to deal with this. Russian renegade organization shuts down a massive American pipeline. Yup, we all could be feeling this cyber hack like North Carolina and South Carolina right now. President Biden's meek, weak response should have us all concerned as more and more of our enemies, led by Iran and the Persian Gulf yesterday, see America as an easy mark. Number one. The gain-of-function research had, in fact, been banned explicitly by the U.S. government. There was a federal moratorium on the funding of exactly the kind of -of gain-of-function experiments that went on in the Wuhan lab. So why didn't the U.S. government halt its funding of the lab in Wuhan? Who signed off on this? Tony Fauci. Yes, it's unbelievable. Why are we not asking more questions about the origins of COVID-19 and the Wuhan lab and how Dr. Anthony Fauci could have played a role in all of it? How can we stop the next pandemic if we don't know how this one started? We will try to untangle that deep deception uh, with two great guests this hour. And we'll get to that uh, shortly. Uh, But let's just talk about this, uh, where the virus started. We just talked to Senator Marshall of Kansas. He led us to believe he will ask direct questions about the NIH's role in financing this Wuhan lab and this gain-of-function uh, research that is quite dangerous where you look and activate viruses and you test to see how they move. Could one have gotten out? There's no other plausible explanation about what happened. That's the problem. 
And they did an investigation with, with uh, someone I'm going to have on the 7 o'clock show tonight. I'll be hosting primetime at 7 p.m. Eastern. And Jamie Metz will be on with us who worked for a Democratic administration, I believe Barack Obama's, who is uh, linked to the WHO as an advisor, said there's some real questions about this. He was featured on 60 Minutes. Peter Danzing, an American scientist who seems to be in bed with China, tries to explain it away. I'm not buying it. Here's what Congressman Mike Gallagher told Tucker last night. Cut three. If you'll remember a year ago when those of us were suggesting that the lab leak hypothesis just needed to be investigated. We weren't saying that it was the correct hypothesis. We were called bigots. We were called tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. And the problem, and the mainstream media did everything possible to spread CCP propaganda and shut the voices of those who merely wanted that hypothesis investigated because a global pandemic completely overturned and destroyed our lives and forever changed our country. So why not ask questions? Don't get it. A quick note. Today, uh, I believe it's going to be official. You could get a 12 to 15-year-old vaccinated. I don't have a 15-year-old, but I have an 18-year-old who was told you can't go to campus, alone my 20-year-old, unless they're vaccinated. I've talked to a lot of doctors here. I don't think there should be any problem with it. It's still early. I get it. But Dr. Jay Bacchichara was on with Laura Ingram last night and was asked about this new revelation about the effectiveness of our vaccines, which were remarkably great. And this is what he said, cut eight. Now, I don't think if there's any good reason to vaccinate kids that young. Uh, For kids, they face a vanishingly small risk from COVID itself, near zero, uh, from mortality from COVID. Uh, At at the same time, they haven't really tested the vaccine on enough children to know that that with any confidence what the adverse, serious adverse event rate is. Anything more than zero, and you'd say you wouldn't, the balance just doesn't work. Why would I vaccinate my kid against something, a disease for whom it's not actually all that deadly, uh, where, where there might be some serious adverse events? I think that it is a mistake to think about this as, as good for kids. It's not good for kids. Well, interesting. Uh, that's where his stand. Dr. Siegel feels differently. He says he got his 16-year-old daughter vaccinated, but it's some legitimate questions. I'm never, I don't want to be hypocritical and pretend as if I'm concerned about a 12 to 15-year-old with no underlying conditions getting the virus. That's not, there's no indications that this is at all dangerous in any quantifiable, quantifiable way. So I know what you're saying, but teachers say, well, I want to know my kids are vaccinated. Even this uh, terrible leader of this teachers union said that I don't believe the kids should be vaccinated before all my teachers get back to school. Will someone tell that to the teachers in Chicago because they're not they're not going back at all. One story I wanted to share with you that I'm going to bring up um, with Josh Rogan as well. China's influence and why it matters. Propaganda is central to China's fulfilling geopolitical aspirations to beat us in every way, right? So according to the Center for Responsive Politics, Chinese foreign agents are spending now from $10 million in 2016 to $64 million last year. Thanks to the stable propaganda operations, China is now the top spender on foreign influence in the U.S., So if you want to tear this country apart, why not talk about how bad race relations are? If you want to tear this country apart, why not talk about how much uh, the Republicans and Democrats disagree, how women are not getting their fair share of things, Uh, the cancel culture? Why not foment more of that unrest? China knows our weaknesses. You could tell when they brought it up in Alaska. Are they financing and fomenting them the way Russia did in 2016 after Trump won? They were actually financing and supporting protests against America, against Donald Trump in New York City. Michael Moore went to him. 
Russia sponsored it. Has Chinese done this to the 10th power? When we come back, I talk about all that more in America's newsroom than Josh Rogan. A fascinating interview from the Washington Post. He's got a new book, Chaos Under the Sun, Trump, Xi, and the Battle for the 21st Century. Don't move. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Hey, welcome back, everyone. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. No matter our moments, we're going to join America's Newsroom with Dana Perino, as well as this guy named Bill Hemmer. Uh, that's going on for three hours. They begin their show from 9 to 11, and then Harris Faulkner takes over on Fox News Channel. As you know, we list, we do this show for three hours. Sometimes you get them out of order. And we're going to talk about what I opened up the 7 o'clock show with yesterday. Uh, this camera, right, uh, Eric? Straight uh, The 7 o'clock show uh, yesterday, and that is uh, cheating when it comes to major sports and how everyone always denies it at first, from Lance Armstrong to Alex Rodriguez uh, to Ben Johnson. If you want to go back to the 80s in track and field, where he was the fastest human for about nine seconds, and he failed the drug test. Uh, now you see it. Mike Francesa, among the race experts who told uh, us last night, he's like, this Bob Baffert always gets caught. Uh, he always finds a technicality to get out of it. This one, he's not going to get out of it. So that's who we're talking about. So maybe Bill Hammer will come to us shortly. Uh, we always do this with Stuart Varney on FBN. Then, after we're done, this will usually be a quicker hit. We'll probably have some time for phone calls on the other end, one 408 And then I go to Josh Rogan, who's got this fascinating book on President Trump, his relationship with Xi, how it relates to the pandemic, and how this maybe could have been avoided. So let's listen in together. Derby winner is blaming cancel culture for backlash after the horse failed a post-race drug test. Now, Bob Baffert's win with Medina Spirit hangs in the balance. I cannot believe, um, I never thought I'd have to be fighting for my reputation and, and this poor horse's reputation because of the new regulations the regulators have put. They're testing these horses at, at contaminated levels, and um, it's, it's, just, it's been a horrible experience. Let's bring in Fox and Friends co-host Brian Kilmeade, a good friend of ours. Can I just play one other piece for you? This was, uh, he blamed cancel culture. This got picked up a lot yesterday. Take a listen. We live in a different world now. This, this America is different. And uh, this, it was like a cancel culture kind of a, a thing. So they're reviewing it. I haven't been told anything. Brian Kilmeade, love your take on this. What do you think? Uh, there's no way it's anything to do with cancel culture. Uh, cancel culture would be maybe they don't want men trainers uh, to be because men get too much credit for racing. Uh, this is about te- drug testing. And, and, Bill, you nailed it at the end. Don't you inject this into the horse at the joints? And Mike Francesa, who is no stranger to sports talk, probably the most successful, I uh, Chris Russo in the history of sports radio, who spent 40 years owning horses and, and racing them, said Bob Bar- Baffert is smart enough to know. I don't see how he's going to get himself out of this one. This is the fifth time this year. He's beaten the other times on technicalities. He went on to say that he believes the horse will run on the Preakness, but uh, will eventually fail this second test and be disqualified at the Kentucky Derby. It's devastating for this, but it's not the first time we see major stars, even though it's a horse or a trainer's decision, perhaps if things go the way this is, lie to our face from Lance Armstrong on down, and it turns out it all blows up in their face. I was watching you last night when you played those clips, right? 
Whether it was Lance Armstrong. Who else was that? Rafael Palmero, I believe. Alex Rodriguez. Uh, yeah, A-Rob was on there as well. So Baffert says he's not going to Maryland for the Preakness this weekend. And at 4 o'clock today, we're going to get the draw for the next leg in the Triple Crown. I mean, do, do we believe that Medina Spirit will, will race this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know racing inside now, but that's one thing I was referring to. So Mike Francesa said last night he believes even they fail the test, it'll race this weekend. Uh, the, but if Bob Baffert's not going to be there, of course, he's not going to be the person who is one step away from the Triple Crown. He's got himself some bigger legal problems. But he said at the end of your interview, uh, one thing I think is a red flag for life when you refer to yourself in the third person. If I say Brian Kilmeade is now on with Dana Perino, I think you should call a psychologist. He was doing that to you yesterday. I find that a little uh, odd. Number two is when it comes to, to Bob Baffert, if he was one step away from the Triple Crown, you know he would be there. So if he believed possibly that uh, this test was going to come out negative, it was a false positive, you know that he would have committed to go to the Preakness because then you're over at Belmont and Long Island in a few weeks going for the Triple Crown, which is nothing bigger in horse racing. Yeah, for first week in June. Yeah. Go ahead, Dana. I just wanted to say that I'm, I want to touch base on this other topic quick before we lose you. So um, there was a report that Melinda Gates was frustrated, angry with Bill Gates in regards to his connection and uh, relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. We covered that story yesterday, but take a look at this. You know, Fox News, we covered it. MSNBC, zero minutes on this. Um, CBS, zero minutes. NBC, and ABC had just had a couple. CNN also then at, at 10 minutes. But when you when you see that, like MSNBC has zero minutes, what does that tell you? Anything? Well, uh, a lot, Dana. Number one, it's MSNBC, Microsoft. I believe, according to my, my stats, he found that organization in the 70s. Uh, so let's not run with the Jeffrey Epstein connection. Number two, I think it's amazing. They loved the Jeffrey Epstein uh, connection when they thought it was to Donald Trump. They loved those other networks, the connection when they thought uh, Jeffrey Epstein was connected to uh, the royal family. They don't love the connection when it goes to the Clintons, and they don't love the Jeffrey Epstein connection when it goes to someone like Bill Gates, who is all over the manifest with that, and evidently this very detailed about how his wife was so upset about it. I don't want to get into their relationship, but it's amazing the way they leave out complicated things on those other networks because it's an important part of the story. One of the top five richest men in America who's a philanthropist like we've never seen before, uh, along with his wife, uh, they're divorcing. It's going to affect so many organizations, so many foundations. Remember, he's the expert on CNN who tells us how to handle pandemics and how bad Donald Trump was at it. Even though he's a computer guy, he's a pandemic expert. Everyone's got hobbies. Some build model planes. He looks at pandemics. So why would you want to blow up the credibility of this guy who we lean on as the Dalai Lama on CNN in case of uh, planning for the future? By the way, a lot of the stuff he predicted would happen has not happened. He also said we weren't going to get a vaccine. Scene, and we did. And we did. Uh, Brian, is your hobby working? Because you're going to be on tonight, 7 p.m. Fox News. We'll be watching. Time. I'm hobbyless. I've always been <laughs> hobbyless. I used to collect headlines, but that doesn't take much time. Loved having you this morning. See you tonight thank as you, well. Brian. Go get them, guys. All right, thank you. 1 uh, we'll talk about that, too. Just an odd thing uh, when it comes to Gates. Nobody uh, relishes this. I think when people look back at the other relationship with Jeff Bezos, that blew up. People like to run with every element of that. Uh, people want to find uh, enemies. But sadly, I think that so many people can relate to divorce. I think most people want to stay out of it. 
um, except for when it relates to other things that make them look hypocritical because they always roll that video of Epstein appearing at Mar-a-Lago one time. It looks like back in the 80s. Uh, but I think the focus is going to be today, tonight at 7 o'clock. Amongst our guests today is going to be Chris Christie. We have him on here. He's going to come on tonight. Amongst our other guests today is going to be Senator Rand Paul. Rand Paul is the one who goes one of the few people in America, and same. Uh, hopefully that number grows, who was challenging Anthony Fauci on all his mask mandates, all of his social distancing, demanding to find out why six feet works for dates back to 1918. We ended up with three feet distancing after that. Why schools aren't open? Why aren't you demanding it? Why did you have no problem undermining Donald Trump? And Donald Trump said some things in press conferences I think he would want to have back. I get it. But you go out of your way to cover for Joe Biden and his administration. So those are the uh, those are the issues that come up. But I want to bring you to uh, this other guy, Peter Danzig. Keep uh, uh, just just keep your ears open for this guy because he seems to be in bed with China and the financing he gets to continues with his study. And he appeared on 60 Minutes to someone when they did the investigation in the Wuhan lab. He felt as though it was a thorough investigation on what happened. It wasn't. Even the WHO said, I have my investigation here. I think we should see keep looking into it. We didn't have full access. Here's Peter Danzing on YouTube, December 2019. Talking about how easy it is to manipulate the coronavirus, a coronavirus, cut six. Coronavirus is a pretty good, I mean, neurovirologists, you know all this stuff, but they, you can um, manipulate them in the lab pretty easily. It's yeah. just spike protein drives a lot of what happens with the yeah. coronavirus, uh, zoonotic risk. So you can get the sequence, you can build the protein, and we work with Ralph Barrick at UNC mm-hmm. to do this. Um, insert it into a backbone of another virus right. and do, do some work in the lab. So... He was talking about the flexibility and the pliability of it before it actually hit. Then it hits, and he talks about there's no way it's coming from the lab. It came from something transferred to a bat, a bat over to a meat market, a wildlife market, which sounds scary even the description, and now the whole world is infected. China claims that they're uh, basically virus-free, and they've only lost a few hundred people. Nobody believes that. But it is pretty amazing that they're standing up quicker and trying to take advantage of a series of countries that can't. Now, in the West, we're doing better. The U.K. is doing great now. I understand they're going to do smart hugging. They're going to allow intelligent hugging. So I think that is major progress, and they're doing great on the vaccine. We're doing better. Israel did fantastic. Sadly, they're in the midst of a war. But the rest of Europe, through bureaucratic circles, and India, sadly, uh, they're having a lot of trouble. Uh, Russia's seeing a resurgence. Brazil is terrible. And Central America is worried because they don't have the infrastructure to fight back. Uh, soon we'll be able to get that uh, virus, every, that uh, vaccine everywhere. When we come back, more on this from Josh Rogan. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. Don't move. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show. If you'll remember a year ago when those of us were suggesting that the lab leak hypothesis just needed to be investigated. We weren't saying that it was the correct hypothesis. We were called bigots. We were called tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. And the problem and the mainstream media did everything possible to spread CCP propaganda and shut the voices of those who merely wanted that hypothesis investigated because a global pandemic 
completely overturned and destroyed our lives and forever changed our country. That was Mike Gallagher, Congressman of Wisconsin, talking about the speculation about what happened, how this pandemic uh, came to our shores. We still don't know. And why is that acceptable? That's a question Josh Rogan asked on our show and every show uh, as people wonder, why why is it such a uh, why is it so hard to get people to ask a tough question for Anthony Fauci? Why are we asking about what kind of mask to wear instead of why were we giving grants to this Wuhan lab? What, what, What do we expect to gain? Josh Rogan joins us now, or rejoins us, author of Chaos Under Heaven, a fascinating book, Trump, Xi, and the Battle for the 21st Century. Josh, welcome back. Great to be back with you, Brian. Josh, you, know, you asked this question. I, I listened to the Joe Rogan podcast. It was three <laughs> hours. Uh, it was very thorough. And you were saying, like, almost it's a relief to be on more than four minutes and be able to explain this. But do you feel as though uh, the American public is catching up to your curiosity and your and and our need to find out how this pandemic started and what role this lab may have played? Yeah, well, Brian, you're exactly right. I've been shocked for the last 15 months that there hasn't been, you know, hours and hours and hours of discussion every day about how did we get into this dystopian mess that we're all suffering from, not just Americans, 7 billion Americans, 7 billion people around the world suffering from the pandemic, and nobody cares how this started, and no one's investigating it, and the WHO investigation was crap, and now we have to start all from scratch, and now we have more and more people, including you, by the way, who are covering this in a real way, and that's super important, and this is not a partisan thing, it's not about Trump, it's not about, you know, who was right in March of 2020, it's about finding out how we got here so that we can prevent the next pandemic. And now you have more and more people, uh, Congressman Gallagher, uh, you've got a, a congressman, Congresswoman Kathy McMorris-Rogers, uh, you've got a couple of senators who are not quite public. I think Anthony Fauci is going to get asked about this today. He's testifying right now as we're speaking before the Senate Health Committee. It's going to come up. Finally, people are taking this seriously. Now, what we're waiting for is for the Biden administration to take it seriously. Are they going to release the intelligence that they have? Are they going to take all of this Uh, investigation that they're supposedly doing behind the scenes and tell us about it. Uh, When are they going to get around to this? Are they going to push the Chinese government and the WHO to do more to investigate the lab theory? They don't know. We don't know. And without their actual buy-in, this is going to be a lot harder not to crack. Well, as you remember, Josh, one of the first people to bring this up and kind of, in my view, I don't know what happened behind the scenes, pushed President Trump to act and have the travel ban was Tom Cotton. He said, you know, I'm looking at that lab. I'm not surprised if this thing came from the Wuhan lab and then China brutally came back and say, you know, stop with your sensationalistic tactics. Uh, essentially, uh, how dare you come up with some scenario? We told you how this happened. Stop asking questions. And now that's become central of your book and a lot of these questions. What about that lab? Because the other ideas of how this started don't seem plausible. Tell everybody what the WHO came up with and how the director of the WHO wasn't even convinced they got a good report in front of them. Right. Well, you're exactly right. Back in uh, early 2020, Tom Cotton and Mike Pompeo and some others said, hey, we got to look into this lab. And they were shouted down as racists and conspiracy theorists and all the rest. And that that was when this issue of the origin story became super politicized because it became a litmus test about whether or not you agree with Trump. But, you know, the bottom line is that the origin question is not a political question. It's not even a scientific question. It's a forensic question. Something really bad happened and we have to figure out what happened? And here we are a year later, 580,000 dead in our country, 3 million dead worldwide, and we still are nowhere. Okay, And what the WHO did, quite to their discredit, was they appointed the best friends of the lab to investigate the lab. Peter Daszak, Nico Health Alliance, who are funding W Wuhan Institute of Virology, who are themselves funded by the NIH and the NIAID led by 
Anthony Fauci, uh, went to the lab, uh, didn't do the investigation, declared that it was highly unlikely, and said, told everyone to shut up about it, okay? But we're not going to shut up about it, because that, even the head of the WHO, as you mentioned, Dr. Tedros said, no, we have to look into this lab. Robert Redfield, Sanjay Gupta, you know, that more and more scientists are saying, listen, it doesn't matter what the politics are. This is a plausible theory. And in fact, a mounting amount of circumstantial evidence points to it as the most plausible theory, which just means we have to check it out. At the very least, if this escaped one of our labs, I would like to think we would admit it, but we'd also feel a degree of humiliation. I don't sure. see any of that humility from China at all. Almost defiance as if, look how lucky we are. We recovered first. I'm not sure well, what they do that they tell their therapist, but what they're telling the world is don't look at me. Well, it's even worse than that because they're covering up the origin story in a, what I consider to be a blatantly uh, criminal way. I mean, think about it. They took the, the scientists and they shut them up. They hid the science. They closed down the uh, databases that would help us get there. They won't hand over the data. Uh, that we could still use to help us respond right now. They're still holding that early data hidden, secret from us, secret from the world. And that's having a direct effect on our national security and our public health. And how, how dare they, by the way? And, you know, this is goes to the sort of core of the issue is, you know, we, we have a lot of cooperation with these Chinese labs. And that was based on this bet that if we just engage with the Chinese Communist Party in China as much as possible, it, that cooperation would produce liberalization right. and that would solve all of our problems but the chinese communist party doesn't see it that way that's what the book is about it's about how we have to deal with the chinese communist party as it is and what it is is an organization that is weaponizing its engagement against us and this is a prime example and if we can't cooperate with them on solving a pandemic because they're intentionally hiding the origin intentionally which is resulting in the death of americans to this day well then what can we cooperate with them on that means we have to take a different approach and we have to our leaders have to press their leaders to do more to prevent this from happening again, which it surely will if we don't figure it out. Josh, I give you so much credit for your original premise when the, you know, the Washington Post and I imagine CNN uh, saying, uh, you know, we're focusing on Russia. We're focusing on Russia and Trump. But there's something there. You go, yeah, just give me China. Uh, you know, just give me China. And no one really put a fortune on that. But uh, with your knowledge of when you worked in Japan before and with your knowledge of the area and the way you're curious about everything, obviously extremely bright, you were able to pick up something that is it is now the number one issue in the world. And you retweeted something this morning uh, about Anthony Fauci. You said last night uh, about the Wall Street Journal column from James Freeman. And you took a quote. It actually has you said Anthony Fauci actually has no idea whether the Wuhan Institute of Rheology was conducting gain of function research. Quote, it is impossible for us to be aware nor can we be account for all their activities. Well, why are we writing them checks? How much money did we give them? Do we put any contingencies on it? Right. Well, this is these are the questions we need answers to, and that's why you see Congress people like Mike Gallagher and Kathy McMorris Rogers and others. Senator Menendez and Senator Risch have a bill calling on the Biden administration to tell us what it knows and calling on the NIH and the NIAID to open up their books. Uh, now, they can say we didn't fund gain-of-function research, but it's a, it's a sleight of hand because they're defining it in such a way that they can say that. And the bottom line is that we need to know what was going on in those labs in Wuhan. And the, what we've heard from Peter Daszak and others is, oh, well, we knew what they were working on, so we knew that they were innocent. But what the NIH just said in that quote told the Wall Street Journal is that actually we don't know. Actually, there's another side of that lab, the side that they didn't tell us about. And that involves working with the Chinese military, according to the Trump administration and the Biden administration. So they're doing stuff that we're not aware of. So anyone who tells you that we know what they were doing is a liar, okay? Because the NIH just admit the, admitted the opposite. That means we need to figure out what they were doing. We need to figure out if it led 
to this outbreak. That doesn't mean we know. It just means we have to investigate all the theories. And anyone who tells you we should investigate all the theories, you have to ask yourself, is that person conflicted? Is that person linked to the research? And that will reveal why they're telling you that. Josh Rogan's with us now, and if you're if you're uh, very curious about what he's saying, it's all in his book, uh, Chaos Under Heaven. But yet, there's probably going to be in the paperback an additional chapter about what we get out of hearings like today. So stay tuned for that. We'll bring it back. And actually, I'm hosting the seven o'clock tonight, and I'm going to take some of what you're saying and put that on tonight. First off, right. why do so? Have you figured out this question? Because uh, why do so few people ask Anthony Fauci real questions? He was on three shows this weekend. Why would not one of those questions be the origin of the virus? What do you know? And why were we using U.S. dollars on this gain-of-function research? Did you not know that the, that, uh, the U.S. wanted that stopped? And did you use a loophole? Did you work a loophole in order to allow the Wuhan Institute to continue to do this? You know, Brian, it's a real tragedy that the issue of the origin of the pandemic became politicized, okay? And what happened was there was a section of the media that wanted to talk about it, and there was a section of the media that didn't want to talk about it. And the section of the media that didn't want to talk about it is the section that Anthony Fauci talks to, okay? And so that's why he hasn't gotten asked about it. Now, I think that's going to end. I think today in Congress and the Senate, that's going to end. I don't, it hasn't happened right at this moment, but by the time you do your show tonight, it will have, okay? The point is that, uh, you know, these are basic questions. These are important questions. They're not an attack on Anthony Fauci. They're, they're a, 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 an investigation into the biggest crisis in human history that's still raging across the world. And there, it's an investigation that will eventually need bipartisan right. uh, support and all media to sh share in the, the common goal of searching for the truth of this thing, because we're all in this thing together. Okay, That's what we haven't had. And we can go back a year and explain why that happened, how this got so screwed up in our public discourse. But that's not as important as saying that right now what we need is bipartisanship and leadership to get to the bottom of this crucial scientific and national security question to save as many lives as possible. And that's going to require asking Anthony Fauci some uncomfortable questions. I'm sure he doesn't want to get asked, but tough. That's what he's going to have to do. Well, Josh, do you think pressure from both sides? You mentioned Senator Menendez. Uh, obviously, there's the senators I've been talking to from Ron Johnson on back, um, you know, that, that want answers to this. I know that I know that Rand Paul's been very aggressive when it comes to some of our sure. policies here. But do you believe the type of pressure from both sides will get the Biden administration to act and make this clear? What is the downside of President Biden coming out and going, you know, I just found this out. They were doing some dangerous experiments to the Wuhan Institute. No one's going to blame Joe Biden for this. Why well, not that's come out and let, it, let everyone know and let your allies know so it doesn't look like America alone? That's a really great point, Brian. I'll tell you from my conversations with top Biden administration officials that they're thinking about it right now. They don't know what they're going to do, okay? April Haynes said she's that the IC is investigating both the lab accident theory and the natural origin theory, and I think that's true as far as it goes. The political downside for the Biden team is that if they admit that the lab accident theory is plausible, uh, the, the progressive wing of their caucus that's been so committed to this idea that the lab accident theory is a conspiracy theory will, will have to be thrown under the bus. They'll have to be told that that's not actually true, and that's a downside risk, but it's not nearly as important as actually finding out what happened. And I think the Biden team is just thinking about those things. They don't trust the Trump team's work necessarily. They're trying to go through it. They're taking their time about it. Uh, but yes, I don't think without more pressure, they won't do more. So I think the pressure does need to come from Democrats and it's not enough yet. And it's not okay that it's only Republicans. And because it makes it into more of a partisan issue than it has to be when it actually it's a matter of public health that affects everybody. It affects Democrats, Republicans, it affects Americans and people all over the world. So uh, I think that 
that pressure right. is mounting, but it's not, we're not there yet. That's for sure. I'll tell you why you do talk about the president and, and the personal relationship with President Xi to the point where President Xi told the president personally last spring, this will go away with heat, with the summer, uh, and it, there is no human-to-human transfer. He actually believed it, and it talked about this three-year relationship that Donald Trump thought would pay off in a moment like this. Instead, it was to his detriment. Isn't that ironic? Yeah, it's crazy, actually, that President Trump, when he listened to the national security experts and shut down travel from China, that was a good thing. When he listened to his political people who said, oh, don't worry about it, it's going to go away, uh, that was a bad thing. And that was a real problem inside the Trump administration. And the fact that the tie was broken in many cases by the Chinese president, who wishes us harm, you know, who is trying to <laughs> exert a policy that, uh, that advances China's interests, which are against ours, okay, and that Trump didn't realize that. That's a tragedy. But, you know, Trump did eventually come to the realization that Chinese President Xi Jinping wasn't his friend. And he unleashed his national security officials in those last few months to do a lot of good things related to competition with China. But it was too late. It was. I want you to hear what Admiral Stavridis said about you, your premise and your questions. Josh Rogan is <clears throat> gold standard of reporting. He's uh, he's bipartisan. He's, you know, he's a Seems reporter. Yeah. He's not. Yep, he totally does. And if Josh is telling you something, you can take it to the bank on the quality of the reporting and the fact that he plays the ball down the middle of the field. He's not got a political agenda. So um, I take him very seriously, and I obviously agree with the idea. And by the way, it's not just a failure of pandemics. We are failing at understanding how rapidly China is overtaking us in cybersecurity and in artificial intelligence and in quantum computing. So uh, Josh said, say he's a former Supreme Allied commander of NATO. So that's no small compliment. Well, that, listen, that's very kind of the admiral. You know, all all that means to me is that, you know, I'm not a partisan guy. I'm not a pro-Trump guy. I'm not an anti-Trump guy. If you read my book, you will see good and bad and ugly things that happened during the Trump administration on China. But that's maybe the, the reason that, like, I didn't get into one of these camps in the first place. I wasn't for the natural origin theory. I'm not for the lab accident theory. I'm for the truth. We got to be for the truth. That's the bottom line. That's the way that we get out of this thing and that we hopefully prevent the next one. Lastly, I just see uh, China has uh, quadrupled the amount of money they're putting in here to get uh, rhetoric and disinformation into our society. And obviously, if you want to hurt America, foment the racial unrest, the political divide. Do you believe they're doing that? They are doing that egregiously and wantonly and increasing their efforts every day. Now, I saw that article that you're talking about in Axios that said they went from like 10 million to 60 million in terms of influence efforts. That is the tip of the iceberg. The Chinese Communist Party is spending billions with a B, billions of dollars uh, to seed our institutions and to corrupt our elites on both sides of the aisle, by the way, which they have been doing for decades. Money is coming in hand over fist over and over every day. And no one's tracking gotcha. it. Okay. And. That's at, in our schools, in our companies, on our Wall Street markets, uh, in our Hollywood studios, in our sports. And that's the biggest scope of the problem is that we have to tra track all of this money coming in and we have to look skeptically at the people who are taking this money. And that kind of transparency right. will help us protect us from foreign influence of all kinds. Got it. Josh Rogan, uh, congratulations on the book. Hopefully we'll get some questions answered today. It's called Chaos Under Heaven. Josh, thank you. Anytime. You got it. Back in a moment.
New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Breaking news, unique opinions. Hear it all on The Brian Kilmeade Show. Uh, Brian, is your hobby working? Because you're going to be on tonight, 7 p.m., Fox News We'll Prime be watching. Time. I'm hobbyless. I've always been <laughs> hobbyless. I used we'll to collect then. headlines, but that doesn't take much time. Loved having you this morning. See you tonight thank as you, well. Brian. Go get him, guys. All right, thank you. one 408 7669 I mean, we pick up the phone and call him right now. Hang on, hang right, on. <laughs> so what happened? So you, you know, you're I was so on you, television. Yes, you were doing the hit with America's Newsroom, and you said we thought they said goodbye, and they didn't, I guess, take you down soon enough. So then you're so used to doing the hits with the Barney where they take you down right away. I think you started talking. They thought you were going to say something. You gave out the number, and now Pete's been getting a lot of calls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Pete, uh, so Pete's taking all the calls in. So, I mean, to me, I, they said goodbye. Didn't it sound like they said goodbye? No, you were no, you were completely accurate. It was just someone on there who probably didn't realize that <laughs> like, once they say goodbye, you're moving on. Um, right. I get over people quick, right? You did. I mean, like, I'm, a- I'm over. Josh Rogan was just on. I'm over. It's we're like over. it's never happened. We're not going to bring him up tonight at all. No, I will. Uh, tonight. <laughs> oh, tonight's going to be a, a great show. So we have... Um, Tim Scott. You helped too. Uh, Senator Tim Scott is going to be on tonight. I mean, is there a hotter guest in the country in politics? I don't think so. Chris Christie's always fantastic. He's going to blow things up. Senator Rand Paul and his sparring with Anthony Fauci that's sure to take place. Um, and who else am I forgetting? Uh, Britt Hume as well. Britt Hume. And some other. Britt Hume. He gets me nervous every time Why? he's on because I just feel like he's so professional and I'm not. Really. Oh, and Jamie Metzl. Jamie Metzl will be good. Fox Nation presents podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice. Brian Kilmeade. All right, here we go, everybody. Welcome to the latest moments of the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to be privileged to have with us former Secretary of Defense for Obama and Bush. Uh, that is Robert Gates. He has been in government, or former CIA director, too. And Jesse Waters, who never ran the CIA, but loves the new woke ads the CIA put out. It really makes him think he picked the wrong profession. Uh, we are just watching Anthony Fauci and Senator Rand Paul spar. I'll bring you that in a matter of moments. Uh, but before I get to Jesse, let's get to the big three. Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. 97% of schools are open. That's a very high number. It's 67% that are back in full time. We believe that the conditions have changed now so that everybody can be back in full time. Uh, there you go. That's Randy Wardgartner, runs the second biggest teachers union in the country, going at it with Martha McCallum, saying things I found quite disturbing, fighting for control of the curriculum. That union president tries to explain why in 2021 history, it's really about 1619 and why kids are not all in school. I'm not buying any of it. Number two. I'm going to be meeting with President Putin. And uh, so far, there is no evidence based on from our intelligence people that Russia is involved. Although there is evidence that the actors ransomware is in Russia. 
they have some responsibility to deal with this. Uh, Joe Biden. There he is. Russian renegade organization shuts down a massive American pipeline. To this minute, we are being affected by it, right? President Biden's meek, weak response should have all all of us concerned. More and more of our enemies, led by Iran now, see America as an easy mark. I'll explain. Number one. The gain-of-function research had, in fact, been banned explicitly by the U.S. government. There was a federal moratorium on the funding of exactly the kind of -of gain-of-function experiments that went on in the Wuhan lab. So why didn't the U.S. government halt its funding of the lab in Wuhan? Who signed off on this? Tony Fauci. Well, we just got that disputed now by Tony Fauci, but that was Tucker last night. Why are we not asking more questions about the origins of COVID-19 and the Wuhan lab? How can we stop the next pandemic if we don't know how this one started? Uh, Let's welcome in Jesse Waters. You know him on The Five and the Jesse Waters Show, Waters World over the weekend. Jesse, welcome back. Thanks, Brian. I love how I was introduced. You know, you have two-time Defense Secretary, lifelong public service, Robert Gates. And then Jesse Waters. <laughs> right. But I did qualify saying you were never director of the CIA. I thought that was nice. I should have I said. That was good. Cl- yeah. Good I, clarification. Right. Thank you. Uh, I will say this. I'm very excited about your new book that's coming out July 6th, which is going to be sooner than you think. How I Saved the World. It's going to be available July 6th. But you can order it now. Uh, and you can always follow Jesse at Jesse B. Waters. So, Jesse, first off. I'm really intrigued by suddenly the press is interested in something we've been on from day one. How the heck did this pandemic start? You know, uh, I was able to talk to uh, Josh Rogan, who wrote this book, who's asking the same questions. He's at the forefront of this, uh, you know, with The Washington Post. And then Anthony Fauci just now sparring with, uh, with Senator Rand Paul. Will we suddenly, do you believe, be focusing on how this started and China's corruption in the cover-up? I believe Republicans will start focusing on it, but I don't think Democrats want to focus on it because they want the focus to be on Trump as the evildoer, not the Chinese Communist Party. And all of the companies that are making a killing in China, like Apple, for instance, don't want to rock the boat and do anything to destabilize their supply chains. But it is true. Research has showed that they were doing these risky experiments with gain of function in this lab partially funded by the U.S. government, signed off on by Dr. Anthony Fauci. And it was so risky, a lot of other scientists didn't think it was worth the risk. And they were doing it in labs that were very low security. And it looks like there is mounting evidence that the virus was manipulated. They do this in order to try to get ahead of a virus so they can have a better vaccine. But It was floppy, and it looks like it escaped. And now that's kind of the leading theory as opposed to natural origin, wet market origin. And I I think we should just follow the facts and find out what happened. Relentlessly. And I want you to hear, I don't know if you missed it. Um, I know a lot of our listeners did. This just happened minutes ago when Anthony Fauci squared off with Rand Paul, and uh, clearly Rand Paul did his homework. Listen. Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Do they fund Dr. Barrick? 
We do not fund Do you fund gain Dr. Barrett's gain-of-function research? D Dr. Barrett does not doing gain-of-function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina, not You don't think inserting a bat virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus is gain-of-function? That is you not... You the minority because... At least 200 scientists have signed a statement from the Cambridge Working yeah. Group saying that it is gain of function. Well, it is not. And if you look at the grant and you look at the progress reports, it is not gain of function. So here we go. Uh, that disputes a lot of other things. You know, Fauci did say earlier in a quote in the Wall Street Journal today, it actually has no idea whether the Wuhan Institute of Virology was conducting gain of function research. But he believes he wasn't financing it, but he did acknowledge he gave money to it in the past through not his right. personal money, but uh, from the NIH. <laughs> so he's splitting hairs and clearly on the defensive. We now know that there was a grant or two, and we now know that only the director of the NIH can sign off on um, breaking that moratorium on gain of function. And he seems to be playing word games with the definition of gain of function. And that sounds like someone that pretty clearly understands what was going on there and does not sound very confident that things were on the up and up in that lab. And that was one of the reasons I think even people in the, in the Trump administration and, and throughout the federal government were very wary to push back very hard on the Chinese because they may have been implicated. Our tax dollars may have been implicated in funding this type of research. So we didn't push the Chinese that hard on this issue. Evidently, by the way, just so you know, according to Josh he, uh, Rogan, he says that uh, Senator Menendez and some other Democrats are pushing for answers when it comes to China. So maybe there might be some bipartisan support to get the Biden administration to get aggressive. Good. Here's a little more of the sparring. Let me explain to you why that was done. The SARS-CoV-1 originated in bats in China. It would have been irresponsible of us if we did not investigate the bat viruses and the serology to see who might have been or, infected Or perhaps it would be irresponsible China. to send it to the Chinese government that we may not be able to trust with this uh, knowledge and with this uh, incredibly dangerous viruses. Government scientists like yourself who favor gain-of-function research... I don't favor gain-of-function research in China. You are saying naturally. things that are not correct. So... I'm not sure how much progress was made, but she's going to be pushed. He left a lot of a lot of unanswered questions out there, and Anthony Fauci is going to be pushed on this. I believe, uh, you know, not only do we have a huge problem with his the way he's affecting all of our lifestyles and the inconsistencies of his statements from masks on down. Now we're getting to how this thing started and why he's not more curious. Why is he not out there furious that our tax dollars might have led to something like this? Instead, I feel like he just doesn't want to talk about it, which makes me suspicious, Jesse. If you're suspicious, Brian, I'm suspicious. Can you? I, you know, it's a very risky thing to do to be manipulating the virus. As we don't actually have a vaccine at that point for that type of, of virus. So if you're playing with a virus like that, that's very easily transmissible in a lab. And these Chinese labs were, I think, level two, and I think you need to be at level three to perform this type of research. So. 
that's one of the reasons why Anthony Fauci has usually pushed the wet market theory or hasn't really been discussing it at all because it may look like he could be implicated. So the five is a wild success. There's a sense on this on the set that it's really due to you. They don't say that. But when I go on and I fill in, uh, have you have you got your co-host to admit the five is successful because of Jesse Waters? Or do you see a look in their eyes sometimes where they know you're the key to victory? So when I'm off, the ratings just tank. Right. That's and, an indication. And, that, and, and you and, and that's just that's just the statistical fact. <laughs> um, and so and, and I think it's kind of understood. No one really likes to talk about it. Gutfeld and Perino, very fragile egos. And, and, and then you have Juan Williams, who's another, who's another case, but um, you know, I, I think it's understood. It's understood. I'm the key to victory and we're just going to leave it at that. Right. And is there a push to get you a, a co-host on Jesse Waters? Cause there's too much pressure on your shoulders between the five days a week and then the weekends. <laughs> Listen, if you can do 20 hours of TV a day, I can surely do two. All right? <laughs> no one works harder than Brian Kilmeade. Actually, maybe Anthony Fauci does more TV than <laughs> Brian Kilmeade. So I, I think you're in good company yeah. there. Except for this week, I think he does beat me on a daily basis. I mean, he's <laughs> he's doing the set, uh, the Steph Curry podcast. I'm going, what? how no, could he's not. You, I, he's done it. I mean, my no. goodness. I mean, here, you know what he's if you look done, at? Brian, he's even done Waters World. Well, I know. <laughs> he probably told him it was Rachel Maddow's show. Um, <laughs> hey, Eric, I know it's last minute, but can you pull up his reaction to Rachel Maddow? This, to me, is the key of Anthony Fauci's. You know, you always hear President Trump just say he's a Democrat. And I thought to myself, well, how do you know? How does that come up? And he goes, he's a Democrat. Yeah. So listen to this. After he, you know, Dan, you know, Donald Trump's out and then he's allowed to do Rachel Maddow's show. Right. Listen. I've been wanting to come on your show for months and months. You've uh-huh. been asking me to come on your show for months and months, and it's just gotten blocked. That's, I mean, let's, let's call it what it is. It just got blocked because they didn't like the way you handle things, and they didn't want me on there. I mean, it was so clear when we sent it down. Why would you want to go on Rachel Maddow's show? Well, because I like her, and she's really good. It doesn't make any difference. I mean, it's, he just played his whole hand right there. You know, I like my doctors as doctors. I don't want them funded. I mean, wear a lab coat and and do your thing. Yeah. But now he's picking and choosing cable news hosts. It's incredible. You get a beaker and mix something. You know, get a yes. Bunsen burner. That's how I want my scientists. I don't want them on yeah, Rachel guy, Maddow yeah, show. Dissect- Dissect the frog, yes, and tell me to clean up afterwards, and and that's what I want. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear about what he thinks about the Voting Rights Act. <laughs> no, thank you. By the way, he's the biggest fraud of the last outside maybe Avenatti. I think when he's, I don't think that Fauci necessarily is corrupt. I think he's the most overrated person in the history of of uh, science slash TV. And I think that's what we're going to well, look I, back in years for now. But it's almost <laughs> Avenatti-like without the corruption. When I saw the first pitch at the Nationals game, I thought to myself, I don't trust this guy. <laughs> he told you he was an athlete in high school. Remember, he's this big athlete. That yeah. was his bio. And, he, and what was that? Like 30 feet outside. Right. But th- he is 100. I mean, come on, Jesse. I don't know how fast he's you're going to be throwing at his age. Uh, but that's a good point. Uh, Jesse, thanks so much. I think America is better having you come on the show. You helped our nation. And for that, I thank you. 
<laughs> it's a small price to pay. Thank you, Brian. You got it. How I Save the World. Available now. Download it while you can. Order it so you can, so you will. Uh, July 6th, it opens. You'll finally be at your doorstep. Thanks, Jesse. When we come back, your calls, 1-866-408-7669. And Robert Gates, Secretary of Defense under Bush and Obama, also former CIA director, a myriad of great uh, great points and insight. He's got, a brand, he's got a book out, Exercise of Power, American Failure, Successes, and a New Path Forward in the post-Cold War world. Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of the story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. I know there's been a lot of discussion since Friday, since Friday's report, that people are being paid to stay home rather than go to work. Well, we don't see much evidence of that. For many of those folks, unemployment benefits are a lifeline. No one should be allowed to game the system. And we'll insist the law is followed, but let's not take our eye off the ball. What the eye off the ball is, your supplemental insurance, the $1.9 trillion that you passed after $900 billion, has given people, it's taken the incentive away from people. Instead of saving them, I think you're hurting them and hurting the country in the big picture. I'm not saying that every single person... Uh, is making more money than they were. I'm not saying that, but for the majority are, and the anecdotal evidence is too strong. Of all people, look at Joe Scarborough. Listen to what he said he found out. You know on that channel, Joe Biden walks on water. Cut 32. That I've heard from very Democratic restaurant owners. I'm sure you have too. Yeah. Some small business owners. From employers, especially in the hospitality business. That I know other people in the hospitality business that are basically shut down again for this summer because they can't find employees. And you ask why. And they, they really do. Uh, so many of them say the same exact thing. And that is people just don't return their calls. They had $1,400. They got enhanced checks for unemployment benefits. And right now, them going back to business in the middle of COVID when they've got kids just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. So, you know, you look at uh, Arkansas now, announced yesterday on our show on, on primetime at 7 o'clock. Uh, Arkansas Asa Hutchinson said, I got to rescind it. I'm sending the money back to the government. I'm not taking the extra money. Same thing in Montana. Same thing in Arizona starting June 1st. You got to give a little bit of notice. That's understandable. But in terms of Joe Biden not even admitting that that's the case and his commerce secretary not even admitting that's the case. That's what's maddening about it. Please don't tell us it's not happening. John Taffer of Bar Rescue single-handedly trying to revitalize the Las Vegas Strip who's got more Restaurant owners in his uh, contacts and anyone else in America said this, cut 31. No, I completely disagree with the president, Brian. Think about this for a moment. The average household has about two and a half people in it. If both of them are unemployed, getting enhanced benefits at $800 a piece, that's $1,600 a week enhanced unemployment benefits. That's $83,000 a year. But the median income in America is only $65,000 a year. Wouldn't you stay home? Well, they are. You know, as Carl Rove pointed out, too, it's even more money in New York and California. So they are staying home. 
So guess what? All these states that kept everybody closed, all these states that are sanctuary cities and sanctuary states in the case of California and New York, they're being rewarded. They're being rewarded with huge cash payments to uh, to make up for all the lack of commerce and economic activity in their states because they held people back, unlike Texas, Tennessee, and uh, Florida, North Carolina, and South. there's more South Carolina than North Carolina. So Having said that, they're getting their payments from the government. What have they learned? If a Democrat wins, we're going to get free money, money that they haven't earned, that they don't deserve, that is our money, that is spent on a credit card. So to me, it's outrageous. And Joe Biden told us, and I'm going to bring this up tonight. Joe Biden said, when I make a mistake, I will level with you. I will say I made a mistake. Well, here's your opportunity. I made a mistake. In the rescue plan, the supplemental insurance that I had extended through September uh, will really hurt the economy in the long run. So, therefore, instead of adding 1 million jobs, I added 264,000 jobs. So what I'm going to do is this is going to come to an end July 1st. Even if you – it should be June 15th for July 1st because we got to get people back to work. And for those people who say they're concerned about being back to work, I'm going to be a better role model for you. I'm not going to be walking around alone with a mask on. I'm going to let everybody know to take them off if vaccinated. We've turned the corner. And then the fear will go away. Go to BrianKillMeShow.com. Get the podcast anytime, anywhere. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on FoxNewsPodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade. We have to deal with the Chinese Communist Party as it is. And what it is, is an organization that is weaponizing its engagement against us. And this is a prime example. And if we can't cooperate with them on solving a pandemic because they're intentionally hiding the origin, intentionally, which is resulting in the death of Americans to this day, well, then what can we cooperate with them on? That means we have to take a different approach and we have to, our leaders have to press their leaders to do more, to prevent this from happening again, which it surely will if we don't figure it out. Uh, That is Josh Rogan of the Washington Post with a brand new book out about China. And uh, he's talking about how they're looking to infiltrate our society and get propaganda into our mainstream and try to foment friction between the races, between the genders, between the parties and anything else they can. And uh, they're quadrupling their investment in doing so. It's devious. It's insidious. And we have to find a way to stop it. I'm not sure you can. If anyone would know how to address it, at the very least, it's Robert Gates. He served as Secretary of Defense under President George W. Bush, as well as President Obama, author of Exercise of Power, American Failures, Successes, and a New Path Forward in the Post-Cold War World. It's now out on paperback. Robert Gates, of course, uh, former CIA director as well. Many positions he's had. Uh, Bob Gates, welcome back. Thank you, Brian. It's good to be with you. I've enjoyed watching your interviews, your perspective on the world. You never overreact. Everything's going to be okay when I watch you on the air. Uh, (laughs) But you did not have to deal with this uh, muscled-up China. Does this remind you of the Soviets in the 70s? Uh, The challenge, I think, uh, is is similar, but I think in many respects this is actually uh, more more of a challenge for us because the Soviet Union was really a a unidimensional power. They basically had military power. We used to refer to them as upper volta with missiles. They they had an underdeveloped economy, uh, and so our technology limits on them and so on had real impact, uh, as did – 
uh, our arms programs that President Reagan initiated uh, that, that basically spent them into bankruptcy. But China's a multidimensional power, and just what, what you were playing there a moment ago, uh, you know, in the early 2000s, Hu Jintao, President Hu Jintao of China, invested $7 billion in creating a strategic communications capability for China around the world, and we're seeing that uh, grow and flourish uh, really everywhere in the world, including here in the United States. And we really don't have anything comparable. But So they're not only a challenge in terms of strategic communications and potentially militarily, uh, they have a far more significant economy than the Soviet Union ever dreamed of having in terms of, the, you know, they're the biggest trading partner now with more than half the countries in the world, uh, including right here in, uh, in, in this hemisphere in Latin America. They're the biggest trading partner with Brazil, Argentina, most of the big company uh, countries down there. So, so and, and they are not afraid to, the, and they, it's sort of a good cop, bad cop. They can, the Belt and Road Initiative, which we can't even come close to matching, a trillion dollars that they're putting into it, to gain access and build projects uh, in countries around the world, including in a couple of our NATO allies, I might add. Uh, and and then their willingness to use their economic clout as leverage, as we've seen against uh, Australia and South Korea and other countries as well. So this is a multidimensional challenge that we face from China. And, and frankly, in one of the main messages of the book is we're not prepared for it. We're not. Uh, clearly, uh, we're not. And what they're trying to do is not have people like them, uh, have people trade with them. Uh, it's simply money. Uh, they're trying to win people over by uh, – say, they're saying, we don't care about your culture. We don't care how you treat your people. Uh, you have a natural resource we want, and we have X, Y, and Z that you might want. And they use that as uh, extortion almost should they need it. So I guess that's happening in Pakistan. You say that we can't Well, with keep... these contracts, uh, yeah. I mean, first of all, if you sign a Belt and Road contract, a construction con- contract uh, with China, first of all, you have to agree that it's a Chinese construction company that's going to do be the main contractor. And second, they will use mostly Chinese workers. They don't employ local uh, workers. They don't, they don't do anything to develop the economy or develop the people uh, in the countries where they've got these projects going. So they are investing in our country. We know what they're doing with their universities, and hopefully we'll become aware of that, and it stops to a degree. But now, according to the uh, Center for Responsive Politics, China's foreign agent spending this agency has spent has gone from ten million in 2016 to 64 million just to propagate friction in our country. Uh, so whether it's uh, the racial unrest or the uh, civil unrest or the problem between the parties, they've taken to what the Russians were doing leading up to 2016 and learned from that. And China's behind a lot of the tension in our nation. Knowing this, how do we stop it? Well, I think, I think first of all, uh, there are some of these outlets that we ought to be able to shut down. And the and, uh, uh, second option is to identify them as being uh, from the Chinese and what the Chinese have in mind. But I think the other approach is also an offensive approach, and that is to give the Chinese a taste of their own medicine. We need to recreate our own capabilities to do these things and and figure out a way to get past their firewalls and let the people in China know what their country is doing, let them know about the repression, let them know about the corruption, and, and so on. 
and and sort of get our message inside China uh, the same way that they're trying to get the message here. So we need we need to have both an offense and a defense. And frankly, we're not very good at either one right now. Right, it's amazing. We invented the internet, but it, we we can't find a way yeah. to uh, to open it in when China. When I became Secretary of Defense and Osama bin Laden was communicating, I, I uh, putting out public relations and uh, announcements and stuff. I said, how how is it that the country that invented public relations is being out communicated by a guy in a cave. I know. It's amazing, right? And then finally someone spoke up and said how we're we listened to his cell phone calls and that came to an end. We remember that. So <laughs> so all right. So what is the correct way to confront them? I, I I sense that every time we talk it's looked at as weakness in that area. And and how do you think that the last two uh the last two uh uh, the last two administrations have handled it. First off, President Obama. Just the more I read about it, they looked at him as somebody that it was easily to manipulate. Well, I think, first of all, we, we have to understand that, that the Chinese approach became far less subtle and far more blatant and aggressive uh, when, Hu Jin, uh, when uh, President uh, Xi Jinping came to power in 2013. Uh, you know, the truth is uh, we made an assumption for 40 years that a richer China would be a freer China and failing to see that a richer China would actually become a much more assertive China. But we've seen this especially under Xi Jinping. So it's really been in the last half dozen years or so that we've seen this threat emerge in a way that is so unambiguous. And, and our problem is that we don't have a strategy on how to push back uh, against China that integrates all of the elements of American power, uh, including our allies and our alliances. And, and so what the first thing we need is a strategy. How do we take all these different – how do we take our economic power, the power of our, our private sector, how do we uh, take our potential – uh, capabilities in strategic communications. How do we, how do we blend all of this, including our own culture and our own uh, 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 scientific and technological uh, advances, and how do we bring all that to bear in this contest? And that's and that's the piece that's been missing. Where we had a, a really pretty integrated strategy in terms of taking on the Soviet Union, we really haven't come to grips with the Chinese uh, challenge in that same way. But you know what? One thing that could be a benefit for us, uh, Bob Gates, because we now we miss that we have one common purpose: different different domestic needs, but understood who our enemy was. It was the Cold War. Now, if we understand, and both sides are beginning to see that China's the issue, and it's going to be a global challenge. Don't you think that's a unifying principle that we could both parties can get around? Absolutely, and and the, I like to, I'm only half joking when I say Xi Jinping has been able to accomplish the impossible. He's actually brought the Republicans and Democrats together in the Congress yep. in a common purpose. Uh, I mean, we this is an area where the potential for bipartisan cooperation in developing the capabilities and the strategy for contesting China over a prolonged period of time is really ripe with opportunity. So I want to bring you to Russia. Uh, there, this hack, this renegade organization that hacked our uh, our pipeline that's <clears throat> affecting 17 states in our country and already jacking up gas prices. Here's what Senator Tom Cotton said. They're located in Russia. Russia's responsible. Cut 14. 
no cyber gang in Russia could conduct this kind of attack against an American piece of critical infrastructure without the tacit or explicit knowledge of Vladimir Putin's government. So first, uh, it shows that Joe Biden's weak policy on Russia is having consequences for the American people. You know, when you give away the store to Russia, when you extend a nuclear arms treaty that favors Russia over the United States, you allow Russia to build a gas pipeline to Germany under the Baltic Sea, when you invite Vladimir Putin to a summit despite all that, you just embolden Vladimir Putin and his minions to launch these kind of attacks in the U.S. The opening premise that Vladimir Putin knew, do you think that that's on solid footing? I don't, I don't know that he knew, but his statement that, that Russia allows these things to happen is, I think, uh, is quite accurate. And, and the truth is that uh, the, the Soviet or the Russian military intelligence organization, the GRU, and the civilian military organization, the FSB, uh, both outsource a lot of their cyber attacks to, uh, to non-governmental hackers in Russia. But it's hard for me to – I think it's not plausible <clears throat> to, to assert that the Russian government isn't aware of what these groups are doing. So what would you do if you're the secretary of defense right now or state and they say – and you believe what you just said and I don't know anyone that would doubt you. Oh, How well, do you handle that? You know Putin. Well, once again, yeah. And, and I would say that this, again, is an area where we really have not uh, – uh, we don't have a strategy, and we have not used the capabilities that we have. Uh, first of all, I think we have offensive cyber capabilities that uh, we can bring to bear in giving them a, a taste of their own medicine. And not just, and you know, maybe not in terms of attacks on their infrastructure, but but getting behind their firewalls and, and letting people know that corruption and, and the repression and so on inside Russia, after all, if uh, Alexei Navalny's uh, video of, of Putin's palace on the Black Sea can get 115 million views on YouTube, the, the capabilities of the United States uh, government ought to, ought to be able to put that in the shade. So I think, first of all, <clears throat> excuse me, we react with some of our own cyber capabilities, and and but I think we also obviously need to significantly improve our our defenses. Uh, but but I think there are ways we can go back against Russia. I mean, one of the things that we ought to be thinking about is <clears throat> essentially freezing the assets of all of the oligarchs um, in Western Europe and in the United States. They they put a lot of their cash and they oh, in in the West, and they've and they've uh, put. A lot of uh, they bought a lot of property. Gotcha. Uh, a lot of their kids go to school and live in the West, and we ought to just say, okay, we're going to freeze or take all of your assets. And what's more, your kids and your family got to move back to Russia. You love Russia so much, good, you go live there. So I think there are actually some moves we can take that hurt the people around Putin, uh, and and that can have uh, some real impact rather than these very broad-based sanctions that really, they don't affect the elite at all. They may mainly just affect the, the Russian people. So we have to figure out sanctions and actions that we can take that affect the elite, the, that affect the oligarchs, the people who support right. Putin. And we also have to figure out ways through cyber and other means 
where we can where we can uh, retaliate against the against the Russians. I would love to see it because I think it is so obvious in the world that you know so well that a civilized approach oftentimes doesn't work. It doesn't get the message across. The Middle East that that's known the you know the strong horse gets the attention, and I think Russia that's the only thing they'll understand. I'd love to try it with China. You notice Joe Biden left the tariffs on China for now. Nothing's changed about that. I want you to hear what Lindsey Graham said yesterday and tell me, I think this sounds like something that you might feel. Cut 23. But I've never been more concerned about our national security than I am now. Everybody sees Joe Biden as weak. We're going back into the Iran deal. The Arabs and the Israelis are beside themselves. Iran is getting stronger. China is threatening us at every turn. And Russia is troops on the border of the Ukraine. So this is a dangerous time. Uh, Voids are filled when people are weak in the United States. When the American president is weak, that empowers all the bad guys. And you see that happening every day on the world stage. How do you feel about that? Well, I think that the I think that there's no question that Russia and and and, uh, China are being much more aggressive in no small part because they believe the United States is weak. And I, I think that but I think that they see our weakness as much broader than than what Lindsay just talked about. I think that they see our weakness in our political paralysis. They see uh, the the way that our economy reeled last uh, last year from uh, from covid. Uh, and 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 I think that they see us as pulling back after 20 years of war, pulling back from our international role, and they see an opportunity there. So, so I think this is about, this is about the, the, the way to counter this is, first of all, getting our domestic house in order, investing more in science and technology and infrastructure and so on. But beyond that, it's coming up with strategies for dealing with Russia and China that along the lines of what we've been describing. But at the same time, it involves people understanding that you need that that behind all of these other um, means non-military means of power right. has to rest a strong military and a military that is superior to that of Russia and China and so the notion of uh, that a lot of people have in Washington of cutting the defense budget and so on, I think, is a terrible mistake. Absolutely. And this is a point at right. which we ought to be saying, now, where do we need to add investment? Where do we why, be smart about it? Let's come up with the extra money to, to rebuild our Navy, for Robert, example. Got it. Robert Gates, Exercise of Power, the name of the book, American Failure, Successes, and a New Path Forward in the Post-Cold War World. Paperback. Thanks, Bob. More to know. Sponsored by Oxford Gold Group. Call 833-600-GOLD to secure your retirement. If they go away, um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anybody's really going to lament that. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think the world needs to mourn the death of, a, of an award show. But we could point out the hypocrisy. That was Matt Damon. This is more to know. And keep in mind, too, they, they're talking about getting rid of the Golden Globes because they're not diverse enough. The diversity hasn't come on quick enough. Why now? Why, after all these years, decades, do you say, now, this is just too much? And now every award show has got to show what? Every rainbow, every gender, every decision choice about gender has got to be represented, or we can't get Tom Cruise to show up or keep his trophy? Tom Cruise has said, I'm giving back my Golden Globe. Unbelievable to me. You're giving it back, and people are going to salute you? What even brought you to this statement? How does this even pop up? 
Does it blow you away? It does, but isn't it a little ironic? Like, they're going to start eating their own, right? Hollywood, Hollywood turns on Hollywood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it says, we continue to believe that the HFPA Hollywood is committed. Yeah, uh, Foreign Press is committed to a meaningful reform. However, the change of this magnitude takes time and work. We feel strongly that it needs time to do it. Uh, NBC will not air the 2022 Golden Globes until they get more diverse. Could it be because no one's watching anymore? It costs a lot of money. It's a convenient excuse. Yeah, I will see. They can't get hosts anymore. It's just so terrible. We even forgot about the movie industry. Hey, don't forget to listen to or watch me tonight at 7 o'clock on Fox News Primetime. Great roster of guests from Chris Christie to Rand Paul. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.